Well, as we said, this is, we are living in uh, precarious, uh, precarious times. And so it is uh, very appropriate for us to uh, indeed uh, talk about the Shema. The Shema is uh, really, you might say, the central passage uh, in Jewish uh, belief. Uh, certainly the Shema is really it. Right, uh, and not only uh, theologically, but experientially uh, as well. Right, if uh, if anybody here uh, grew up Jewish, you probably don't remember not knowing uh, uh, Deuteronomy six four in Hebrew and in English. Right, uh, that it is the it is the cornerstone uh, verse. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And uh, not only in terms of growing up, but also historically. Uh, it is a declaration, Kriyat Shema, the declaration of Shema. You know, the Shema is not a prayer. I know if we're aware of that. It's not a prayer. It's a declaration of, of Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Right? So it's like a statement. It's a, a declaration to our people and to ourselves. Right? Uh, but not only that, but it is, in, in a way, in a very um, visceral way, it's, it's, like a, it, it's like a cry, it's like a rallying cry uh, for the Jewish people. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Uh, you know, if you're Jewish and you don't know what you believe, or you don't believe anything, you hear those words, you know, whoa. I recognize them, I'm drawn to them, whether I want to argue with the meaning of them or not, I relate to those words, see? Uh, and, uh, and not only that, even beyond that, uh, it is really like um, uh, a, uh, if someone dies as a martyr, uh, they're identified with the Shema. And uh, there's the famous story of Rabbi Akiva, very famous, famous uh, uh, first century, uh, a rabbi who was raked over his skin, uh, being peeled from his body, and his last words, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There, many years ago, uh, John Gielgud uh, played the role of a, of a Jewish man in Europe caught up in World War II. Uh, actually, I believe it was called War in Remembrance. I don't know if anybody remembers that. It was a book. It was a really good book. Anyway, but it was turned into, a, I think, a film or a TV miniseries. Well, anyway, so John Gielgud, famous actor, really just brings this out. So he, uh, he's in Europe, and uh, he, he starts out as very, uh, very much a man of his age, uh, not believing uh, uh, very much of Jewish tradition, even poking fun at it. But as things get worse and worse and worse and... And, uh, you know, uh, he, he is uh, uh, eventually moved to a concentration camp. He's, his faith in God actually increases. Uh, and so there's a famous scene in this movie where he, um, he's dying. And, uh, and the last words, you know, out of his mouth is, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. And how um, ironic that he starts out uh, you know, as, as a free man, not believing very much at all, even poking fun at it. But as he loses his freedom, which identifies him more and more as a Jew, uh, he ends his life 
with this conviction. Uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And that really brings out the, um, uh, the, the meaning of this, not only this verse of Scripture, but this phrase uh, in Jewish uh, thinking and meaning. And so therefore, for all of us, uh, the Shema is, uh, is a centerpiece, which is perhaps part of the reason why in the Brit Hadashah, in the Gospel of Mark, in the 12th chapter, uh, we read that uh, one of uh, the scribes, probably trying to trick Yeshua, uh, uh, says this, One of the scribes came and heard them arguing, and recognizing that he had answered them well, asked him, What commandment is the foremost of all? Yeshua answered, this is in verse 29 of Mark chapter 12, The foremost is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, mind, and with all of your strength. The second to this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So Yeshua quotes the Shema, the greatest commandment of all. You know, one of the things that tells us, one of the things that tells us is two years before the Mishnah was put to writing, before there was any rabbinic literature, 200 years before there was any rabbinic literature, the Shema was everything I just said it is today. The Shema is the, is the cornerstone. That's, so Yeshua, it's no coincidence that Yeshua says the greatest commandment is Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Now we might ask ourselves, well, why does he say that? Why doesn't he quote one of the Ten Commandments? Why doesn't he quote the first commandment? You shall have no other gods. Why, why, you know, uh, why, why does he quote this? Well, you have to remember that in its context, in uh, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy is a series of sermons. It's what it is. It's a series of sermons. Moses' last sermons. Okay? And so Shema, the Shema, is part of a larger speech. And I don't know if you're uh, aware of it or not, but there are other Shema Yisraels and Yisrael Shemas in, uh, in Deuteronomy. In fact, uh, Marcy read one of them today, Atah Yisrael Shema, in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, in, verse, in chapter 4, in verse 1. And now, O Israel, listen, okay? The words are turned around, Atah Yisrael Shema, but it's saying the same thing, Shema Yisrael, Yisrael Shema. If you go to chapter 5, interestingly enough, I believe it's in the first verse. Yeah, look at the first verse of chapter 5. Then Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, Shema Israel, hear, O Israel, the statutes and the ordinances which I'm speaking to you today. So in this speech that Moses is giving, first he gives this preamble of how we got to where we're at, right? And now he says, hear, O Israel, remember the commandment, remember the statutes. And the focus of chapter 4 is the events of Horeb, the events of Sinai, the, the revelation of God. And then when he says, Shema Yisrael, remember the commandments in chapter 5, he outlines the commandments. That's why we know Deuteronomy 5, the Ten Commandments, right? Where he repeats the, ten, the words themselves of the, of, the, uh, of the Ten Commandments. And then now here in chapter 6, we see 
it's in the fourth verse. But before we get to the fourth verse, we have uh, uh, verses 1 to 3. And in chapter 6 and verses 1 to 3, it says, now this is the commandment. By the way, what's interesting, another observing the text, those of you that study the Bible, right? Observe the text. Notice commandment is singular. Just thought I'd point that out. Now this is the commandment, and then statutes and judgments are plural, right? We'll discuss all that another day, but it's really interesting. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the judgments, which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God, to keep all the statutes and the commandments, now here it's plural, which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may be uh, uh, prolonged. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, just as the Lord promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. So one of the things we learn here is that this commandment, these statutes, uh, ordinances, commands, are good for Israel, are good for us. That it's not a case of jump through these hoops and then everything will be okay. Like, I want to see you do it, you know? No, that God has given us a way of life that is indeed good for us. So that if we live in such a way, all things being equal, it's good for us, you see. Uh, And so there's a motivation here to enter that land and be obedient to God and to love a God and to fear a God. And of course, fearing God doesn't mean fearing like he's going to beat us up, okay? But recognizing his authority, recognizing our accountability uh, uh, to him and all that goes with that. But the focus right here, uh, as we'll see, is on loving a God. Uh, and notice also that he says that you and your you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God. That it's not just about you, he says. It's not just about you. It's not just about your son. It's about your posterity, as we like to say forever and ever, right? From generation to generation, that there is a responsibility to pass down these great truths, uh, the Torah, this great way of life. So now in verse 4, again we hear Shema Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Right? We can stop there. The first thing that we uh, uh, see here uh, is uh, a declaration uh, about a God. It tells us something about God. Now, as a Messianic community, we like to accentuate the word Echad. Right? Because Echad doesn't just mean one singular, but it also uh, refers, opens the door to God as a unity. That's true, but it's not the focus of this particular passage. Again, that's true, but it's not the focus of the passage. If you know Hebrew, what is number one? How do you say one in Hebrew? Echad. Okay? So Hebrew, uh, in Hebrew, Echad is the basic word for one. Even though it does mean unity, but it also means one, one thing, one, okay? That's important that we don't forget that. This is not a statement here about monotheism and defining the nature of God. I mean, he is one. He is a unity. Don't get me wrong. 
But this passage is basically saying, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, uh, the Lord is one. We are loyal to the one and only God of Israel. You know, uh, just like we read in, uh, in Exodus after they uh, crossed. You know, uh, uh, there are no other gods who's more powerful than the God of Israel, right? We sing, Mi chamocha be'elim Adonai. Uh, and so uh, this is a loyalty oath uh, that we only worship one God. There is only one God. And so this passage is accentuating, one might say, the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before you. There shall be no other gods. And in a very practical way, we're saying we have no other gods. There are no other gods in whom we worship. Uh, and now in verse 5, explains for us what that means and how we are to live that out besides saying it. Singing it, saying it, dancing about it, telling it to ourselves. How is it that we do this? How do we love God? So we see here, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your uh, might. Okay? So we don't have time to take that all apart, but the first thing I'll just say is to say that we are loyal to the one and only God of Israel is to love God, is to love him. How do we love him? May I suggest it's not sentimental. It's not about sentimentality. Oh, I just love God. No. Uh, in fact, Yeshua uh, sums it up uh, quite nicely in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of uh, John. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. To love God is to follow God. To love God is to do as he desires uh, of us. To walk with him. It is not loving God, therefore, to sin. It is not loving God to forget his ways. It is not loving God to give him a tip, like, Okay, I'll put a little money in the tzedakah box, and then, then I'm okay. Or, uh, you know, I'll sing some, I'll sing songs, and, and, uh, and I'll, I'll read the Bible, and I'll really know the Bible, but, you know, we all know where, uh, we have our failings. It's not loving God to disobey Him. It's not loving God to forget Him. It's not loving God to sort of walk away from Him for a while and say, when I feel like it, I'll be back. Uh, you see, and so loving God doesn't also doesn't mean compartmentalizing uh, this obedience. When it says all of your heart, with all of our emotion and our feelings, and with all of our soul, uh, means every bit of us. In fact, you even have in the rabbinic literature, uh, even with our uh, inclina- even with our two inclinations, you know. Uh, even with our good inclination, even with our evil inclination. With every ounce of us, no matter what we are made of, all of it, in some way, shape, or form, Lord, belongs to you. All of our very being. And then all of our might. And that uh, traditionally uh, refers to resources. All, of our, all that we have, all that is ours, belongs to you. Doesn't this sound very much like to live as Messiah and to die as gain? Doesn't this sound very much like I have died, but Messiah lives in me, and therefore the life that I live, I live by faith in a son of God who died for me, right? Uh, And so 
really, in all of those New Covenant passages where we read about dying to self, identifying with God, is an elaboration of the Shema. And it's interesting because in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, Paul's here talking about food, sacrifice to idols, and things of that nature. But he makes uh, this statement. In verse 5, he says, For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords that, that people believe in, yet for us there is but one God, the Father from whom are all things, and, and we exist for him, and one Lord, Yeshua HaMashiach, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. What Paul is doing is he's identifying Yeshua with God, with the Shema. And so that when we say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, that yes, we're talking about the God of Israel, but that Yeshua is the enfleshment of the God of Israel. And that in Yeshua's death and resurrection, that he is bringing forth the promise of the God of Israel. And that is why in the Gospel of Luke, we read that Yeshua is the revelation to the Gentiles, the revelation of the God of Israel to the Gentiles and the glory of Israel. And so Yeshua, as for Jews, God bring, Yeshua brings us back to the God of Israel and to the pagan world. He brings the pagan world to the God of Israel. You see? And so the goal is the one and only God is indeed Hashem, the God of Israel. And Yeshua is this marvelous gift whom God has given to this world to be the doorway for us all to come to the God of Israel and to know him and to have our sins forgiven and to be able to, and therefore be able to love him. There is a passage in Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel uh, 36 um, is a fascinating passage on many levels, but in one particular place, we read uh, these words. After God says he's going to bring uh, the Jewish people back to the land in unbelief because of his own faithfulness, it says, then I will, in verse 25, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a, a new heart and put a new spirit within you and I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you to cause you to walk in my statutes and observe my, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. Notice he says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And if you go up uh, to the um, uh, first verse that we read in verse 25, I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. God is saying, in other words, the day is going to come when you will live out the Shema because I'm going to make it happen inside of you. See? This is the good news. This is the good news that, wow, we say the Shema, we, live, we, we say the Shema when they're burning us, we say the Shema when they're attacking us, and it never seems to end. The good news is the day's going to come when we are the Shema incarnate as it's meant to be because the Messiah has indeed come to make that happen. And the day is going to come when it will be true for all of Israel and for all of the world. But what, but what we might say is, we are living Israel's promise today. We have that today, from the inside out. Never let it be said 
that, oh, the Torah is just about a bunch of laws. No, notice it says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with every ounce of your being. And that Yeshua says, this is the foremost of commandments. And Paul relates it to, very specifically to Yeshua himself. And then speaks very much about dying to self and living for God and identifying with the Lord. And that's what the Shema is all about. And so when we have Messiah's table, as we're about to have, and then we'll discuss the next couple of verses, we are identifying with the Shema. When we have Messiah's table, we are saying, I love the Lord with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my might, with every ounce of me. I am identified with the God of Israel. And framed recognizing the new covenant, recognizing the revelation of Yeshua, that means uh, that I identify with Yeshua. When I say I identify with Yeshua, as the Bible teaches that, we're identified with the God of Israel. Now that has so many ramifications that it would be like a weekend seminar, right? (laughs) That if you're identified with Yeshua, you're identified with the God of Israel. But for us, let us just say in the context of world events right now, it brings real unity. The Echad not only applies, therefore, to God, but to who we are as well. That we are, when we are unified, we are unified in God. And that is really, according to the Bible, the only way that there is unity in this world. Everything else is truce for a period of time, right? Peace comes with Yeshua. Sar Shalom, Prince of peace. And we are identified with that peace. We are called to live in that peace. We are called to be a showcase of the Shema. Now, um, just finally, if you look at the rest of the passage in uh, chapter 6, what you have here then is how you do this. These are all like uh, uh, state declarations. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, They're all uh, uh, declarations. But then we have, how do we do this, right? First, it's love, you know, we're loyal to you, God. You're the only one. And let us love you with all, with all of our very being. But then you get into a little bit of the nitty-gritty how you do that. And I'll just say three things. Uh, one is the personal way we are to love God, okay? Uh, it should be on our heart. These words, which I'm commanding you today, shall be on your, your heart. These words, we're, we're to live by these words. Not just parse these words, uh, not just memorize them, but the idea for doing all of that, of all of our Bible study and reading and memorizing, and so it would be within us. And when it's within us, obviously that means that's, that's how you live. It's like there's no separation between knowing it and living it and being it. We become like, as Paul says in first, uh, in second Corinthians chapter three, like living letters. We, we, we are the, like the living commandments, you see. Uh, and so personally, and that's what Psalm 119 is all about, of course, and other passages as well. And so personally, if we are going to love God, we are going to take personal responsibility for knowing this word, for living this word. And this, this applies to the whole word of God. Then it says, you shall teach uh, them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. So uh, we should say personally, and then you could say parentally, right? We teach these, uh, these great truths to our children. But I'm going to suggest here that 
an application for this is not only as parents, like if we're not parents, we don't have to do this, or it doesn't count or anything, but that you could see this in whatever walk of life you are where you are in authority. If you are a parent, if you are a teacher, if you are an administrator, if you are a manager, I think the application is whatever area of life we teach, wherever there is an opportunity to teach, we teach, okay? And of course, diligently, right? Which means over and over and over and over again in Hebrew. It's a very interesting word, okay? Over and over again. We don't just teach it once, you know? Boy, I could tell a funny story, but I won't about teaching something over and over again. But, but let me just say this, that uh, teaching is not only by uh, handing out a piece of paper and having a lesson or some kind of interactive study, but notice what, how, the ver, how the verse elaborates this in verse 7. When you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up, the best way we teach is by the way we live, in between the time we rise up and the time we go to bed. There's a lot of time in between there. And that is how we teach. Uh, sometimes in our elders' meetings we talk about that. If we want our congregation to live a certain way, we need to live a certain way, right? That uh, That's just how it is. And that is part of human nature. Uh, that's how sheep know how to go, right? Being led in a particular way. Not just exhortations, go and do, go and do. But what does Paul say? Be imitators of me. Be an imitator of me, right? That takes a lot of chutzpah to say something like that. But it's not just because he was living a certain way, but he understood that was his calling. And I'm sure he was reminding himself that he needed to live a certain way. When I say these words, myself, standing right here, it's, oy vey, you know, it's, uh, wow, to live a certain way. Well, we all have our failings, and, uh, uh, and so we realize that, but we're called to live a certain way of devotion to God. And if we want this world to live a certain way, we need to be living a certain way. And you see, that certain way, again, is a showcase to this world, that this world might say, hey, there really is an alternative lifestyle. I like this one. How can I be a part of that? The doorway is Yeshua. The doorway is repentance and embracing him. You see? Uh, and so uh, uh, we teach. We live it ourselves right? Personally, the word is in our heart, and then it gets communicated to others by the way we live and the word, by word and deed. And then it says we're to take it to the public square, right? Uh, we read here, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as uh, frontals on your forehead, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, verse 8 is a very interesting uh, phrase, we understand it from the rabbis to mean to fill in, right? Uh, and so physically, uh, at the shacharit morning service, it's, it's on our forehead and on our arm. But of course, that is to be a, uh, a metaphor, a living metaphor of the word is in our head and in everything we do. In the very same way that we put up a mezuzah on a doorpost, it doesn't simply mean have the word of God on a door. You know, that's, that's not the point. That it's supposed to, it's supposed to symbolize the fact that this is a house that, in, in which, uh, uh, Hashem is Lord. 
that God, the God of Israel, is Lord. And for us, as we embrace Yeshua, that Yeshua is Lord. And by the way we live. And then it says, and, and not only on the doorposts of your house, but on your, on your gates. Your gates is the public. And so we need to communicate this in the public, not only via demonstration and things like that, it usually don't work, but in the way that we carry ourselves publicly, how we handle ourselves publicly. That doesn't mean just on, like uh, uh, in front of the state house or something, but publicly in the supermarket and publicly in the gas station, and publicly, uh, uh, you know, wherever we may be, and recognizing that whether people know who I am or not, there is a testimony that I carry. And it opens up the door to relationship. It opens up the door to be able to share the good news of Messiah. You see? Uh, and so that's how we're called to live it out. Now, if you read the rest of the chapter... You could, you could read the rest of the chapter and see all the things that God warns us about. And I'll just say what they are. You can read the rest of it. He warns us about materialism. That once we get in the land and we have everything we want, we're not going to live this way anymore. Okay? Well, we have that problem in our, in our world, in our culture. He talks here about, uh, he also talks about uh, uh, skepticism. Uh, uh, that, oh, you know, it, it's... Uh, God isn't going to work for us. Uh, he worked for our ancestors, but we'll never see that kind of thing in our own lives. These are the things that we have to fight in our culture uh, to live this way of loving God. You can read the rest of chapter uh, 6, and you'll see it in there, believe me. Okay? Uh, and so, therefore, in closing, yes, it's good for us, and it's good for our community at Beth Messiah and, and the people that we know. But let's have the broader worldview. And let's look at what's going on uh, from Egypt to Assyria right now and recognize that the Shema is indeed the answer. This way of life, this teaching, this understanding is the answer. And may we propagate it with our word and with our deed. And may this be true of people who embrace Yeshua all over the world. And may I suggest that as we close in prayer, let's pray for those who are carrying this message of good news from Egypt to Assyria, even right now. And uh, may the words of the Shema uh, come uh, to fruition and to light uh, in the person of Yeshua as the nations of the world, including our own people, Israel, embrace the Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Lord uh, God, we pray uh, for those who uh, embrace you from Egypt to Assyria right now, Lord. Some of whom uh, are martyrs uh, who are being persecuted severely. Uh, Lord, uh, we pray, God, that we might remember that our war is not just a war of flesh and blood, but of, of powers and principalities. Lord, uh, Satan, Lord, we pray against the enemy. We pray, Lord, that you would prevail in this world. Lord, we pray for that day of ultimate victory and that it would come soon. Lord, we thank you that even though we still live in this muck and mire of this world, that you have given us the, the real hope and that our hope is not in presidents and secretaries of state and in prime ministers and uh, in spokespeople and in uh, the uh, power of the military 
but ultimately that, our pow- that it comes from you, Lord, and uh, may we be the purveyors of this good news. Lord, uh, we pray, God, that we would indeed love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our might, Lord. And may we not fall to the temptation of uh, living comfortably. May we not fall to the temptation of being skeptical when the rubber meets the road. But Lord, may we indeed love you in our heart. May we propagate it in our homes and outside of our homes in the public. And Lord, may the world see it and desire it and come to this great truth in you. We pray in Messiah's name. Amen.